Hi, Palmer. This is Tom Morley, your teacher librarian in golf, talking to you. And we're podcasting today from the unceded and traditional lands of the Coast Salish and Hunkaminum speaking people on whose lands we teach, learn, and live. Today is going to be our first full broadcast, or podcast, I should say, and where we begin to unpack the nature of digital citizenship. Now, this is going to be a fairly heady topic, and I wish I could do more storytelling because that's a lot more fun, but this is going to be a bit uh, didactic, perhaps. So, let's dive in. What is digital citizenship? It's a heady topic, but as with most things, to really begin thinking about it, we're going to need to take a step back and think about the more general concept of being a citizen. Now, technically, being a citizen simply means belonging to a nation or community and following the laws of that land or community. But it isn't really that helpful. At least the definition isn't that helpful. I often think it's more important to understand that citizenship isn't a condition that you own. Rather, it is an interaction between you and the rights and responsibilities that you incur as a result of belonging to a community. And remember, you can belong to many communities. You're a member of Palmer, you're a citizen of Richmond, and you are a citizen of British Columbia and therefore of Canada. So there's multiple layers of citizenship to think about. Stepping back to our definition, though, it's really important to think about the language that we use to describe being a citizen. In my definition, or my formulation, citizenship is active. Citizenship is something that happens when someone practices the behaviors that are implied by both their rights and their responsibilities. Because a right always carries with it a responsibility. Let's take an example to help clarify things. Voting. Everyone understands that a citizen of Canada has a right to vote. There are some exceptions to that. So what is the responsibility that goes along with the right to vote? A citizen is expected to cast their vote in such a way as to support, clarify, or embody the Constitution of Canada. The Constitution of Canada is ultimately the primary or major law of the land. Now to do this, a citizen needs to take time and make an effort to understand the policies of the various parties and the characters of the various candidates and to select the party and candidate which the citizen who's doing the voting uh, believes most closely aligns with their understanding of the Constitution, meaning the citizen's understanding of the Constitution, and how that understanding of the Constitution will be reflected in what the candidate does for and in our community and the world. That's pretty complex stuff for an average citizen. It's really heady. Let's unpack it a bit more. To be a really responsible citizen in this case, we're going to have to understand or try to understand at least the following elements. Number one, the constitution of the land. Number two, all of the party platforms, because those are the policies the parties are going to introduce. Each candidate, who are they? What have they said in the past about issues? If they've changed their minds about issues, why? If they haven't, why not? These are all questions to ask. Then we have to ask, 
how is each candidate going to represent the party to us? Because they are the face of the party. And how is the candidate going to represent us to the party? Because they are our face in either opposition or in government. How are the candidates going to work for our local community? Because the candidate is supposed to work for our community, not just for the party, or not just for the government. And finally, how will all this affect the world we live in? Are we choosing the person who's going to do the most good for the most people in most situations? That's a very utilitarian thought. So all of this requires our citizen, our putative citizen, to be very active in their election process. They can't simply sit back and wait to receive all this information. It's not going to be given to them. They're going to have to go out and actively seek to integrate all of this information from a variety of sources in order to develop their informed decision and then head down to the voting vote to cast their ballot. And after all that, after they've done all that hard work of voting, they don't just get to sit back. They've done the first part of their citizenship. Then they have to go and do the hard work of holding their MPs accountable for the promises that they've made. But that's a topic for a completely different podcast series. So citizenship, then, means participation in a society or a community. And that participation goes far beyond simply behaving so that we do not get in trouble. Participation is the active engagement with the community in ways that will um, reflect and clarify or support the values that underpin the community in question. And it's this appropriate participation that is so important for understanding digital citizenship. Digital citizenship is not simply going to be about getting online and being not being caught doing bad things. Rather, it's about participating in the online world in a way that supports, clarifies, or embodies the values that underpin the community of the internet. And the internet is a community. It's probably the largest single community in the world. So what are the values that underpin the internet? Uh, and I'm taking these uh, these values. I've cribbed them from an organization called MediaSmarts, a Canadian organization that promotes digital and media literacy. Uh, media Now, uh, Media Literacy Now, sorry, and um, Wikipedia. So this has been triangulated and these values are, are uh, solid. The values underpinning the internet. The first is empathy and community building. The internet was built around the idea that by opening up communication channels across the globe, we could connect people around the world, we could build global communities, and we could grow to understand each other better. Um, obviously, because this is the internet and it's technology-based, it is founded on the, the assumption that you are going to use technology positively. Technology will be used for good in bringing people together. Um, it's also, since it was built around research and researchers wanting to share information to make their research better, 
sharing information is the next major um, value. And that means sharing responsibly. Finally, it was based on the idea of respect for rights, privacy, and ethics. When researchers were sharing information, they were sharing information that had been checked or they wanted to have checked. And that information was going to be shared so that they could promote scientific and cultural development around the globe. So each of these uh, values has different elements, that, that different activities that people will undertake. Uh, for a complete list of those, or partial, partially complete list, or an extensive list, I guess is a better way of phrasing it, of the activities you could undertake for each of those values. Uh, you can look at the show notes. I'll put everything there. But I'm going to highlight one or two. For empathy and community building, you might take the time to remind yourself that for everything you post or read, there's a real person who did that. They have feelings and your responses matter to them. And positive technology use. Um, you, we are thoughtful about how we are posting things, how we are connecting with our family and friends. We're not using the, connect, the technology to exclude people uh, or bully people. We are using it to connect and promote people, to build people up rather than to tear down. Uh, when it comes to sharing information, perhaps the most important is making sure we are sharing reputable information, uh, that we have checked our sources, that we have uh, asked the question of why we are sharing this. And for rights, privacy, and ethics, we are, we are respecting the internet and we are respecting our privacy and other people's privacy. And we are respecting um, ideas of uh, fair dealing or uh, con copyright. All right, I've gone on for quite a while now, so I think I need to, to give you a chance to catch up or catch your breath. And I'm going to start wrapping this up. So what are the summaries? What are the takeaways from all this heavy stuff? At its most basic, the internet is a community of communities. And all communities are grounded in a set of values. In general, the internet, as we've just said, is rooted in the values of empathy and community building, positive internet use, sharing information and rights, and respect for rights, privacy, and ethics. So being a citizen of the internet means acting in ways that support, clarify, or embody these values of the internet community. Over the course of this school year, uh, I hope to unpack all of this, or as much as I can, and show you how you can make sure that you are both a good digital citizen and the steps you can take to inoculate yourself against those who would try to undermine your digital selfhood. And your digital selfhood is another topic of discussion. So Dustin, we had to unpack digital citizenship, unpack citizenship to begin understanding digital citizenship. We're going to have to unpack legacy media literacy before we can begin to get at what digital literacy is. And digital literacy is going to be the heart of understanding uh, how you interact with uh, the values of digital, of, of the digital communities. Um, but that is for the next podcast. So keep an eye out for the tweet that announces I've published that. I'd like to thank uh, 
Palmer's Library Technician Jessica Lee and to uh, prospective teacher candidate and Palmer alumnus Trovina Zhuang from the class of 2013 for their suggestions and additions to this podcast. Thanks for listening, folks. I look forward to any feedback you care to send my way. Stay well. Go well. Mm-hmm.